So first, let me say good evening. If you are maybe joining us for the first time, you're not a regular attender of our church. My name is Pastor Adam Falkenstein. It is my privilege to welcome you to our 11 p.m. service here at North Homestead French Church. Over the last few years here, during this service specifically, we've always taken the approach to do a bit of a character study, uh, to pick someone out from the Christmas story and dig deeper into their significance, the why of their inclusion. Uh, but this year, I actually thought we might take a bit of a different approach. And instead of discussing the why, discuss the where. Uh, not, a, not a character study, but a setting study. As you can see, the title tonight is Desanitized Christmas. That word, desanitized, means to strip away the things that make something clean and pure. And you might be wondering, what does it mean to strip away the things that make Christmas clean and pure? And we'll get into that, but first, tonight, if you would, please stand with me as we read from Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. The Christmas story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Please be seated. If I were to ask you, especially after what we just read, where was Jesus born? Undoubtedly, you'd say to me he was born in a stable next to the inn in Bethlehem, and that he was laid in a wooden manger, a feeding trough for the animals. Maybe you have a, a nativity set at home depicting this scene like I do. 
This image has become iconic the world over as a centerpiece for households and churches during the Christmas season. This right here is likely the image that would come to mind as you were explaining it. Serene, peaceful, clean, wrong. Let's start off with the obvious issue. Bethlehem is in the Middle East. So the skin tone of the characters on this screen don't quite match. There's also a good chance that this little shepherd boy over here was not alone. As we were told, there were multiple shepherds who came to see the Christ child. Not only that, but culturally speaking, it's entirely possible, this might be news to some of you, the shepherds were not male, but female. That's a whole other story in and of itself. We don't got time for that tonight. But also, the wise men were not there. They didn't show up for another two or so years at the home of Jesus and his parents back in Nazareth. See, culturally, we have adapted the Christmas story into something a little more sanitary, a little more digestible. It's nice to think of this scene as it solicits a vibe from us of peace on earth. It brings us a nice sentimental feeling to imagine the scene this way. And of course it does. Christmas is often about sentimentality, beauty. We open this evening in a little bit of darkness, and then there was some light, and then there was some more darkness, but we open this evening sharing about some of the things that we find beautiful about Christmas. And they were all wonderful things. For me specifically, I find my home beautiful during Christmas time. I work to make it that way because I like coming home and it feeling like Christmas. Does anyone else, can anyone else like relate to that? When you like walk in the door and it feels like Christmas, it's just your whole mood changes, right? You've had the worst day, but you walk in, it's Christmas time in the house and I'm in a good mood. This season is filled with sights and sounds, even smells that hit us right in the nostalgia every single year and they put us in the Christmas mood. And there is nothing wrong with any of these types of traditions, but they do fall short of the reality of that first Christmas. They are a sensationalized, sanitized version of events. Our modern images of the Christmas story are presented as warm and as inviting as possible. But when we sanitize the image, when we sanitize the story, we also risk sanitizing the gospel and the power of the Christmas story. There's nothing wrong with these sentimental depictions, but they can cause us to lose sight of the truth. They can cause us to lose sight of the point. Because there was nothing aesthetically beautiful or pleasing about the first Christmas. Truthfully, all we know about it comes from the passage we heard earlier in Luke 2. And it was repeated in our carol earlier. That singular line, he was laid in a manger. In order for us to fully appreciate what was happening here, as I said, we really need to understand the setting. 
Because in our modern depiction of the nativity, even without the whitewashing and the wise men, we still have the sturdily built stable, Jesus resting in perfect golden hay, the warm glow of a nearby lamp, and of course, the three members of our main cast looking dressed in their synagogue best, ready for this year's family photo shoot. There's no dirt, no rags, no sweat, no blood, no umbilical cord, no afterbirth. Said it was desanitized. It's just Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, calm, cool, and collected. A lot of you know this, but a little over a year ago, my wife gave birth to our firstborn daughter, our firstborn child, Gwendolyn. And I don't know how many dads in attendance were given or took the opportunity to be present when their children were born, but I was there for the whole thing. It was beautiful, but in no way was it glamorous. Instead of being in a small stable surrounded by animals, though, we were in a clean sanitary hospital room surrounded by professionals who knew what they were doing. And still, neither I nor my wife nor our daughter nor the room looked like this after she arrived. And this was after we had taken months of birthing classes to prepare us for what to expect during the experience. I can vividly remember no less than five different nurses and our midwife being present in the room in the 15 minutes before my daughter's arrival, each of them either assisting with her delivery or preparing for the necessary steps afterwards. I certainly could not have done any of it, nor would I likely have had the resolve to do so. It was enough for me to be holding and coaching my wife in those moments, and even then I remember feeling like, am I even helping? Is this doing any good? I can't imagine being Joseph. Or Mary. Young Mary. With the weight of the universe on her shoulders chosen for a divine, special purpose, yes, but no less human, no less scared, no less uncertain. But Jesus wasn't born in a hospital. We believe he was born in a stable. And in first century Bethlehem, and even today, shepherds did not have stables that were finally, finely constructed to tend their sheep. No, their stables looked more like this. This cave is a real shepherding stable in the area outside Bethlehem today. It's one that has been used for thousands of years. To give us all a little foreign language education, that word sheepfold, our English word sheepfold, where the biblical authorities say Jesus was born, is the Hebrew word miklah, containing the same root word for cave. These are the stables where shepherds would gather their flock inside. 
you can see they have a sort of a, a, a makeshift rock entryway shoddily constructed outside to act as a safeguard to keep the sheep in and predators out. It's even possible that the stable cave where Jesus was born is where those nearby shepherds, the ones who received the heavenly host of angels, would have sheltered their own flock. Oftentimes, these caves were low and shallow, so you're crouching to be able to walk inside. The walls would have been cold and damp, covered in the droppings of birds who had built their nests in the crevices. The ground, in the same way, was also moist, but maybe a touch softer due to layers of manure from the animals that had been stamped into it over time. The roof was often covered in black soot from the fires that had been lit to keep the shepherds and their flocks warm. And the smell was musty, moldy, and with all of these animal droppings present, maybe we can start to imagine what this experience would have been like on a sensory level. Or maybe we don't want to. In the first century, that smell, the stench that came with tending to sheep, was the mark of a shepherd. And unfortunately, that mark was also one of shame. I find the shepherds fascinating. They're actually my favorite characters in the story, besides Jesus. In fact, my first ever midnight Christmas Eve service was on the shepherds. And during that service, I shared how their task was one of great importance, but also one of deep humility. It was a low position, one for an outcast, which meant you were to be avoided. The Hebrew for stable is repheth, coming from a word which means to sink or drop down. The manger also likely would not have been constructed out of wood, but as we saw in that video earlier, it would have likely been a carved stone basin that the animals ate from. Even our English word manger contains the root word mange, which, if you didn't know, again, desanitized. Mange is a skin disease that animals can contract from microscopic mites burrowing into their skin. If you're gagging a little right now, imagine giving birth there. But this is where Jesus, our Savior, was born. And it was a mess. I talked a lot about decorations and, and whatnot earlier. I'm not seeking to chastise anyone for their Christmas decorations. I certainly will not be swapping out my nativity set for one with more um, authentic animal materials. But I do want to emphasize the fact that the beauty of the first Christmas is in the fact that it was not beautiful at all. Christmas is not about lights or the candy or presents or cookies about the fact that Jesus was born into our foulness and our uncertainty and our sin. 
It's not that Jesus came for those who have it all together or have wealth or have the means to sustain sustain themselves, but that he identified most closely to the rejected, the slandered, the poor, and the helpless. He identified with the mess, and he still does. Jesus stepped out of heaven on purpose. He sank down to be born into our physical and metaphorical mess and shame. Even though he is indeed, yes, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus didn't want us to ever feel that he was so far above and beyond us that he was unapproachable. And so he humbled himself to a lowly estate, the lowest, to step into our mess for the express purpose of cleaning it up. Maybe you're here tonight and you've put your faith in Jesus, but you've become desensitized to this story. You've heard it a million times. I hope, if nothing else, that this message tonight is one that maybe helped to shed new light on a very familiar story. And that in that, Jesus could be made new for you all over again. But maybe you're here tonight and you're hearing this message for the first time. Or maybe you've heard it before, but you've always held this personal view that you're too far gone for Jesus to clean up your mess. Hear me when I say this. There's nothing too great for him to redeem. I'm living proof of that. See, I heard all the stories growing up too. But early in my adulthood, I embraced the mess and sin of this world in a hug like you would give to a friend. And I found myself a complete and utter wretch And I, too, wondered if I had gone so far with my sin, with my deeds, my acts, the things that I had done in my life, had I gone so far that I could not be saved. And then a day came where I humbled myself before a humble God and said, please clean me up. And he did. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he still does. And he can for you, too. Because we might be unclean. But as you should know by now tonight, there is no depth of uncleanliness that Jesus does not know. He is the Lamb of God, our Good Shepherd. He was willing to start in a mess, and He's willing to start in yours too. I find it a little ironic, actually, and humorous. Genuinely, when I pause to think about our modern depictions of the nativity, they are clean. It's such a far cry from how it likely really was. And isn't that just how God works? He takes something that looks broken and irredeemable, and he instead transforms it into something beautiful. So tomorrow, when you're at home celebrating the day and you see that nativity set, 
pause. Pause and take a moment to thank God for the fact that he loved you enough to send his only son to take our mess and transform it into his masterpiece. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this evening humbled because even though, Lord, I did my best to try and construct and convey what it was like when your son entered this earth, I know I'm still wrong. I know that words won't do it justice. Artistic depictions won't do it justice. Movies won't do it justice. Because truthfully, it probably was worse than any of us could have imagined. And that's how you chose to come to us. You, Lord, who deserves so much more than we could ever give who deserves honor and glory and praise, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, who deserves every knee to bow before him. You chose to humble yourself in a way that most of us would scoff at, balk at, would never even think twice Thank you, Lord Jesus, for putting yourself in the position that you did, that each of us could come to you and know you, to prove to us that none of us are too good, none of us are good at all, none of us are good enough. It is only you. It is all about you. Lord, may we never lose sight of that. May this day never become so sanitized, so cleaned up, so, so picture perfect that we lose sight of the truth, of the point. You did not just come, you came with a purpose and you did everything you could to accomplish it. May our hearts be open to you, Lord, as we enter into these final moments of celebration this evening, remembering the birth of your son. And may tomorrow be a day renewed for us, transformed for us. Or maybe we still have our appreciation for the lights and the glamour of it all. But maybe we also have a newfound sensitivity, a newfound pausing, Lord, where we contemplate and really dwell on how it was and how it is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
for coming to us, a gift we so do not deserve. And yet your love surpasses that so much. It is so greater, so much greater than we could ever possibly imagine. Father God, thank you for the gift of your son. And we thank you and ask these things in his name, the mighty name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.